Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Monday. I'm a little bit behind on my summon bonum, so let me address that now. I've got a lot of things on my plate. Uh, but keeping up, we were talking about the Ramak, Ramesha Cordeviro, and uh, his big book, of course, is the um, Pardis Ramonim, and then you also got the Elimo. You have others also, but those are the two biggies that I know of. And um, the point I was making last time, which I'll continue today, because it's vast, uh, the Pardis Ramonim is not, it's funny, it's not a hard safer. It's just humongous. There's so many facts and so many things you're presented with that it like it's it, it's hard to keep it all in 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 place. He can, I'll say it again. It's not hard to understand what he means because he's a very clear writer and all that. He is, but it's just a whole universe that you don't know exists. And he's you know and and he's throwing one thing after after another after another after another. That's my impression. And when you get to these kind of questions, which is the summum bonum, uh, and also the summum malum, you know, heaven and hell. So, uh, as I said before, you just better get used to the fact that when you deal with the Kabbalistic writers, especially, they're going to be extraordinarily vivid and detailed in how to describe heaven and hell. So it's not like the Rambam or somebody like that, which says, you know, if you if you did something good, you'll you'll end up with your schar. And the schar we speak of in very general terms, you know, and so on and so forth. And you simply rely on God to adjust everything. I read you the last time in the Hilchus Chuba, the Ram says, you know, is the Cheshvan of El Deos. You know, Hashem knows how to give this tzaddik a little more schar and that tzaddik a little less schar, this Russia a little more punish and that one a little less punish. You know, you just figure they know what they're talking about, <laughs> right? If God is El and Munavein Avel, if he's a high Mishpat, then. You figure, you know, the guy who insulted one person will be punished less than the guy who insulted two people, and so on and so forth. Kichuta Saira. Fine. But you don't actually get into it. But when you talk about the Mekobalim, especially the Partisarmonium, which is a summary of so many of the Kabbalistic literature, and the old and new, then there's extremely vivid and detailed um, descriptions, none of which is literal. But you always forget that when as you're reading through, because there's so much imagery in there. At least that's my impression always. You forget that it's not literal. It gets just wrapped up in this whole world of a whole bunch of different images. <clears throat> now it's building on earlier stuff. So, for example, if you want to know what happens to the righteous person after death, well, <clears throat> um, heaven has always been conceived in Jewish thought. Again, not literally. But not entirely unliterally either. I mean, in other words, not really, but you know, you have always have to pinch yourself to realize not really. Shamayim in heaven has always been uh, imagined as in, in some some sort of kingdom. You understand? There's a king in charge, that's God, and then there's all these subgroups 
And it's a little bit like reading Gil's Esther where you talk about Ahasuerus and his vast court. And remember, this guy Shashgaz was in charge of the women at this point, and this other guy, whatever his name was, Haggai was in charge of the women at this point, and it was a big son and Sarah in charge of that. And that is indeed how a palace works. You have all kind of officials running around all over the place, each one doing a different thing, and it's supposed to function like a machine. So if you imagine Shemayim in that way, even though we're talking about life after death, so we're talking about metaphysical, so we're not talking about something that's actual and physical, in spite of what I just said, the way to describe uh, different functions uh, and people getting their just desserts um, based on how they lived, so the language they use is the language like of a king's palace, or the heichalos, as they call it. Remember the story in the Gemara, the four guys that went into the heichal, the pardes, and three of them got messed up, as we all know, Rabbi, you know, Rabbi Kivan, and Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, and Acher. Everybody knows that. But uh, that was just a small piece of a huge literature called the Heichalos literature. You can get it. I actually have it with the Kudos, believe it or not, um, in one of my things. And there they're describing the king's palace in the sort of simple sense of how do you get into this room and that room. But when you get to the question of the king's palace uh, in terms of Scharva Onish, it gets much more detailed. Okay? So just to give you a tiny drop of an idea, because there's so much here, even if somebody sat down and just read every single word, it would take days. I mean, the the the, the quantity is so vast, it's, it's, it's really quite astonishing. So on the 24th, last time I was reading from the Summa Malam, and that's why he talks about different types of Gehenim. And you again, you understand, this guy was worse, so he gets this much. And this guy was a little bit less bad, and he gets that much. So you can also play that game, or you can also do it in terms of your schar. But if you're talking about schar, then you're talking about going up and not down, so to speak. I mean, not literally, but you know, going to heaven and not hell. If you're talking about heaven, so understand right away, you're going to heichals, um, depending on how you lived your life. And the heichals are going to be peopled by angels. Okay? And there are hundreds of names of angels here that, believe me, you never heard of them before. And, uh, and, this, and this is in whose rishus you, the soul, no, when you're dead, you know, so it's all you left is your soul. This is the soul where it ends up uh, falling into the clutches of, or maybe the protective clutches of, depending on where, where it is. And everything that Ramak does, he's got Makaris for, believe me. And he's all from the Zohar and so forth. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean that. But um, it's incredibly complex. So just for example... In Shar 24, he's got something called Heicholos because Shabo Yizbar Inyan Zayin Heicholos Akadoshos. Commotion in Bazaar. There are seven Heicholos. We talk about the fact that there are seven heavens. Here within one of them is seven Heicholos. And each Heichol is has a distinct, um, uh, you know, purpose. And you end up, depending how you lived your life, you know, uh, you end up in this Heichol or that Heichol under the control of this kind of malach or that kind of malach, and you just got to get used to it. That's how they see it. So again, I don't think they, I mean, I know they don't mean this literally. I know that. I mean, the Ramak says it himself. But, uh, but it's extremely, you know, detailed. So for example, the first, so if there are seven heichals. The first one's live in the Sasapir, and the second one is Etzim Hashemayim he has, the third one's heichal uh, Noga, you know, 
and the fourth one is Hekel Zechus, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's all worked out. The fifth one is Hekel Ava, the sixth one is Hekel Ratzam, and the seventh one is Hekel Kodesh Kodoshim. Okay? And the idea is each one is more sublime than the preceding one, but it doesn't matter because the question is, you know, what happens to you? And when I say you, you're dead. But in other words, what happens to what's left of you? Is it your neshama? Is it your personality? However it is, right? And the very first one, for example, they call Hechel living as a So he's got a ser- I'm not going to go through all the angel names over here. What's his name? Um, uh, Margulis Hayam has a book. I have it somewhere called Malchay Elyon, which I believe is like a it's like a, a phone directory of all the angels. Um, and he gets it from this stuff. So he knows uh, the Margulis Hayam was a bucky in Kabbalah, among other things. And, uh, you know, so he knows all these different halachim. That's why, if I remember correctly, when um, he had the Emden Abishitz thing with the, with the amulets, with the Kamiyas, I believe some of the angels that that uh, Abishitz was alleged to have included there weren't in any of these, uh, you know, uh, registries of malachim. So you see how it's all worked out? This is something you don't get out of the Gemara. You don't get this from Nigla. When you and I are just regular... You know, the world is complex enough. Uh, when you enter this uh, uh, literature, it's vastly more complex. So, for example, when you get to the first of the Hegels, right? And, you know, there's no way to touch them all. You get to the first of the Hegels, I'll just scratch the surface today. It's all you can ever do. And I, I don't mean that by way of apologetics. I mean it by way of factuality. Uh, you have a certain angel over there, and the point is like this. Kasher neshama olel maila. So first the guy dies. Then his neshama goes upstairs. Now again, you understand that's not literal, but let's use the language. It becomes transcends. Imzachsa, but he really kind of posts on Pennsylvania So the first heichol you want to get into, because after all, the king is in a palace. So God is in a palace. Even the Rambam used that mushal. Okay? That the king is, 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 um, is what he called, is in a palace. Now, um, uh, how should I put it? Y- you want to get there. But there's Hegel's within Hegel's within Hegel's and above Hegel's. So you want to get to the ultimate, if you can, if you're Zoha. Right? So right off the bat, the person dies. And again, you cannot help but use language of time and space, even though they don't mean it. I just keep mentioning that to you. as You always have to have an asterisk when you read this literature. If the Nisham was Zoha, you get in right away. He didn't miss, but if your nisham was tummy, dochunosa. So there you already have the idea that a nisham can be either tahor or tummy. You can, during your life, have introduced a tumma into it. I don't think he simply means sins, because everyone sins to some degree, but there are those sins which are metame. Okay? That's the idea. There are those sins which leave, leave a, a very special rosham. And um, if you do that, then they, they don't let it in. And outside of this door are a bunch of uh, let's call them angelic goon squads. And they push you down to Gehenna where you stay for 12 months. So right at the very beginning of the process, um, the question is, you know, can you even get in? So this is like not a trial or anything like this. They can already tell what's going on, and um, you either get in or you don't. If you don't, you get, get kicked downstairs. I mean, literally pushed downstairs. <laughs> Very fascinatingly, um, they say over here also 
that the same thing goes with tefillos when you daven. Certain prayers get in and certain don't, and they get kicked downstairs. Isn't that interesting? Right? Now, if it's a tefillah b'tzibur, they get in. If it's a tefillah yachid, then it's weighed more more critically. Um, and there's a special uh, pass, a special doorway that the Baal Tshuvas get into. Because they cry when they daven, meaning out of genuine teshuvah. So, we always have a famous expression, Shari Demos Loninolo. <clears throat> the gates of tears are never closed. Here in the Kabbalah, they take this literally in the sense that there are some kind of gates and ordinarily can't get in. But if the person had Shari Demos, if he cried out of teshuvah, then then there's like a special door that you can get in from that. So again, when you were alive, not when you're dead, when you're dead, it's too late. When you were alive, did you repent? And did you repent sincerely? And did you do so to the point that, you know, you were emotionally moved and things like this, okay. You know, if you did that, okay. And there's a special angel that takes care of you. You understand? One of the Ophanimans, he says over here, like I said, I'm not going to go through all the names. You see how um, architectonic this is and how uh, detailed all this, uh, all, all, all the business. And one angel schleps it to the other angel and you have different ruchos over there. And this is all just in the first of the Hechols, okay? The Hechols. And he describes um, this place you get into the first heaven like a room. A Hechol is a room. And in the middle of it, there's an Amud, and, uh, you know, and there, and there, there's windows, and each one of them has a, a meaning, and uh, it's like freaky, okay? The second one, if you get past that, is uh, depending on how righteous you were, is the, what's it called, the Etzim HaShemayim, as they call it over here, okay? And uh, again, there's all kinds of angels running around and things like this. Uh, the the This is a place, for example, he says, where, you know, the, those who get the uh, Mishpat from, uh, from, uh, from um, Bezin Shomayla, that's where they get, this is where they get punished, and so forth. Um again, I can only show you pieces, but uh, here's the most remarkable one to me about this. And that is, in this uh, second Heichal, which is higher than the first, so that's a place that Talmud Chacham go to. And, um, in other words, the schus have the Torah learning. Okay? And, listen to this. And you meet there the angel who taught Moses Kabbalah. Isn't that funny? In other words, ordinarily, the way you say it, I guess, Moshe Rabbeinu was up there for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Rabbanu Shalom taught him everything. Nigla and Nister. Uh, not exactly. Hachaya sheshmo yofiel hu sar ha-toro biado He controls all chachma. Fuhu ha-yarabo shal Moshe Rabbeinu ladas kitzas mukabolim. Isn't that amazing? So that's the place where those who learned Lishma go. Now, it's not the highest in Eichels. In the regular Nigla way of, of thinking, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't. In the regular, 
the person that turns low, uh, ter- learns Torah Lishma, that's like the highest. Agree? I mean, that's that's usually the way you think about it. Person who learned Torah Lishma, especially all of his life, something like that. I'll give you an example: Chazanish, something like that. You know, people like that. They you figure they get the high penthouse. Well, no, they 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 get the second Hegel, That's all. <laughs> Right, it's pretty pretty amazing, you know. Don't turn it down, but they get the second echol, right? And what is their reward? Uh, so you say like this: just to be in Shemayim, j- just to exist in such an exalted room, if I can use it, or a state of being. See, I keep switching back between the kabbalistic and the philosophical uh, terminology because you have to. That should be its own reward. Not exactly. What is the schar for these people who are rotfim? Hear the language over there? They were rotfim achar Torah. Interesting expression. They chased after Torah knows they really wanted to learn. Right? The reward is that as they continue their journey elsewhere in heaven to higher places, they have like a certain safety uh, zone around them that they can't attack, get attacked by creatures along the way. Sitra de Tumo. Kikashar neshama ola lamayla zosachai yotzes aydei srafim dalad srafim ofafus v'olchaz lafano. This person, like I said, I'm just, again, I'm just using the example. You think Chazanish, just off the top of my head. So you get to here and then you... When you go on the journey even higher, which is fraught with danger, that is the story we know in the Gemara Chagig about the four people in the Pardis, right? It was a dangerous type of journey. And the problem was that there were all kinds of things that could jump you along the way, or as we would interpret it, you know, things that you misunderstand and misinterpret. So you're protected over here because you have a bodyguard. The bodyguard, this angel that taught Moshe precedes you like a bodyguard with four other fiery angels. And they prevent any of the bad goon squad type angels from attacking you. And you're surrounded by a certain bodyguard of Malche, Malche Shalom. Okay? And un, I'm, I repeat, I am really touching not even a percent of all these long texts. But you see that they're interested, at least it seems, to convey a highly complex metaphysical reality. Usually, the philosophers, for example, the Nikola type people, are sort of opposed in principle to the notion of a complex metaphysical reality. It's almost the opposite. Since it's metaphysical, so there's much less of detail. You understand? The physical world has all kind of little shtick to it. The metaphysical world doesn't have time or space. And since it doesn't have time or space, it doesn't have the things that clutter time or space. You know, other people, you know, furniture, you know, uh, you know, um, good and bad creatures. You know, it's, it's, so to speak, just you and God, right? That's sort of like the philosophical ideal. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean in a good way. It's just you and God. You lived your life and now you take your knocks. You know, if you live the good life, you'll get reward. If you're not, you're not. Not according to this way of thinking. This way of thinking, you enter a whole world that even though it is metaphysical, it has as many people or creatures 
and furniture and things like that as the physical world, and more so, okay? The only thing is, it's not in a physical way exactly. It's touching your neshama or whatever it is. And, uh, it, you know, and, and, and the presumption is that the, um, what's the right word? The feelings that you get, good or bad, are vastly beyond what the physical are, right? If you get a scar up there, it's vastly beyond our scar, infinitely so. If you get a negative, if you get an onish, it's vastly beyond that. But there are rooms in which these punishments are administered. There are angels that do administer the punishment. There are special situations in which you can get yourself surrounded by, as we saw, bodyguards of other angels, as we were saying before. And uh, and again, when I say angels, I'm oversimplifying. Sometimes it's a chaya, sometimes an ofan. I mean it, you know. And he even talks about, you know, where Daniel got his, uh, you know, visions from, from this Hechal, and, and, and so forth, okay? Um, the third one, as you say, is Noga, right? That's even a higher. And here you end up um, with, how should I put it? Here you see, um, I'm, uh, again, I'm just sharing the parts that I think are the most interesting. Here you see the heavenly forces, you, the dead person, you see the heavenly forces in the third Hechal, which, um, which govern political affairs downstairs in the physical world. You know, you deal with these Ofanim Marim HaMelchamo Akiris Melech, they show you, um, and, and then you understand why, uh, things like wars, or overthrows of the government, revolutions, any war or you know uh, uh, violence or things like that that happens downstairs is is preceded by what happened upstairs, right? And so you get to see over there. Let's. I'm just going to make something up. Suppose I show you, uh, I don't know, Putin got defeated. So the way they, so you, if you get into this Heichal, so you'll see, among other many other things, again, I'm just picking and choosing, among other things, you'll you'll see, oh, the Tsar of um, Russia just uh, got, uh, you know, fell off his chair, or his chair disappeared, or the chair turned upside down, and he fell down on his face, or something like that. And then, of course, you'll see, downstairs that Putin, you know, was deposed or something along those lines. In other words, the question of questions, which is why does things happen in the world the way they happen, uh, you can see there before they happen why they happen. That's a level of, of understanding that obviously we don't have here. Now, it seems to me that, you know, that's part of the schar, to understand the way the world runs. I'm not sure why that's the case, because once I'm gone, if I'm in Shemaim, I frankly don't care what's happening downstairs. But that's not true. I'm wrong. Um, what happens downstairs, especially in Kabbalah, is very important because what happens downstairs sends up Shefa upstairs, and what happens upstairs sends Shefa downstairs. And so you really want to see what's going on on both sides of um, you know of, of, of the action spheres. Uh, again, the things that happen downstairs affect what happens upstairs and, and, and vice versa. Okay? And he says, Right? So, 
Shira Lashabach Liotram. You have lots of angels over there, and they can supply the armies that are downstairs on the earth, and, uh, you know, they, they keep the wars going, and, and so forth. So it's a highly spiritualized way of understanding what's happening downstairs in this world. So um, I don't want to go too long on this. I think you get the idea, right? There's also a Sharafu over here, which is that in the Kabbalistic literature, um, and the Ramak is like the best of them, uh, there's no such thing as simply saying the good get rewarded and the, and the bad get punished. There's no such thing as simply saying, you know, um, person ends up in a place where they're an eternal scar. Uh, we want details, baby. You know, I want architecture plans. I want to know who's running the show. How many servants are in each heichal? How many malchei chavala are there? What is the nature of what they're doing to you? What is the sin that you did that generated this? And the overall effect is to scare the heck out of a person, which is the purpose, so you won't sin. Um, so this is not really talking about an appeal to one's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? Sort of philosophical grandeur, like the Rambam writes in Akdam and the Parakalic or anything like that. You, you follow the MS because the MS. Here they're telling you, this is the Olam Hoimus. And like it or not, this is how things happen. And therefore, you better watch out because if you do this in a sin, you know, if you skipped filling or something like that, don't be surprised if as a result of this, you end up in this heichal or uh, or negative heichal, you know, you know what they call the summer malam, and these guys are torturing you. It may not exactly be the way you're imagining it, but it's going to be a torture. Okay, and the vivid nature of the descriptions you know, can help but grab you. So, uh, welcome to a different world. You understand? Welcome to a different world. Perhaps, uh, as I say over and over again, in the Kabbalah, they try to have their cake and eat it. They try to say all the time, the Ramak especially, and the Ariza also, don't take any of this literally. They do. On the other hand, once you said that, and you start going into all these highly detailed descriptions, like I told you over here, what's the architecture of each and every Heichal, and things like that, uh, it's hard not to take it literally. I mean, in other words, at a theoretical level, you say it's, 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 it's a kind of mushal, but you can't help get fixed on the extremely vivid, it, it seems to me, on the extremely vivid imagery. Um, I think I gave you enough to scare you for now, and uh, with that, we'll close it down here today. As always, thanks to Mishpachas Stefanski, uh, who's now leading us into uh, a whole bunch of Olamos and worlds that I'm sure most people never even imagined existed in the first place. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.org support.rabbidavidkatz.com